Nutrition Bites, the no-nonsense podcast where you get the truth about food so you can eat what you want and be healthy. I'm your host, Maggie, and welcome to the 10th episode of this series. I started this podcast a few months ago to equip you with the real facts about nutrition and to cut through all the BS of this highly saturated space. It's been an awesome start, and thank you so much for all your support and suggestions. I have a laundry list of topics to get through, but if you have an idea, please send it in via my Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast. Today, we are focusing on a highly requested subject, and it's also pretty topical considering the Summer Olympics are right around the corner. On the menu today, sports drinks. Sports drinks are beverages that are specifically geared towards athletes and people engaging in physical activity. And in the brain of a 14-year-old competing at a local high school volleyball tournament, sports drinks are considered the difference between a participation award and a gold medal. Considering that Powerade is a sponsor of the Tokyo Summer Olympics, and Gatorade spokespeople include powerhouses like Serena Williams and Lionel Messi, it's easy to associate these beverages with world-class results. Also, they just taste really good. And personally, I'm not sure what the difference between the flavors Arctic Freeze, Glacier Freeze, Arctic Blitz, Cool Blue, and Icy Charge is, but they're all colored blue, and I know that that flavor, whatever it is, tastes amazing. A big part of the sports drink appeal is that these are really sweet beverages. One bottle of a standard sports drink packs almost the same amount of added sugar as a can of Coke. And I think you'd agree that chugging pop is not what you envision as the poster child of a healthy post-exercise beverage. But if these drinks are made for athletes, arguably some of the fittest and perhaps healthiest people on the planet, surely the amount of added sugar must be okay, right? And what about the electrolytes everyone is talking about online? So many questions, just the right amount of time to dig in. The origin story of sports drinks takes place in Florida well before this state became notorious for wacky crimes and even wackier people. In 1965, the assistant coach for the University of Florida's football team, the Gators, noticed his players were underperforming after a long practice. So, he recruited researchers to figure out how to prevent this fatigue. They discovered that high fluid loss, aka sweat, was impairing the student-athlete's performance. So, they created a scientifically balanced beverage to aid their fellow Gators. This very first sports drink, Gatorade, if you miraculously missed my amazing wordplay, is now owned by a PepsiCo, and it is the dominant beverage in the game, holding over 70% of the global market share. Now, just like with siblings, whatever Pepsi does, Coca-Cola wants to take part. So in 1988, decades after the invention of Gatorade, Coca-Cola launches their Powerade, While it's the second most popular sports drink globally, it only captures a measly 15% of the market share. And to put it into sports terms, Gatorade is like Simone Biles and Powerade is like whoever else competes against her. To understand why athletes need a specially formulated beverage during and after exercise, let's take a moment to review what happens on a physiological level when we move. During physical activity, our body is firing up nerves to contract muscles, consuming internal stores of glucose to use as fuel, and increasing our heart rate and breathing to circulate oxygen-rich blood. One result of these actions is heat generation. Now, our body's internal temperature sits roughly at 37 degrees Celsius, and it really doesn't want that to change. So to keep things from overheating, we have a unique cooling system. 
Beads of sweat are generated on our skin, and as they are evaporated, heat is carried away with it. Pretty cool, right? But one issue with sweating is that it also leads to dehydration. Over half of the human body is comprised of water, and maintaining the right internal volume is crucial for all of our functions and survival. Another component of sweat is electrolytes, a unique group of minerals that include sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. These minerals are special because they carry an electric charge. Both muscles and neurons are considered electric tissues, and they need to be activated through the flow of electrolytes in and out of cells. So when you have low levels of these minerals, it becomes harder to contract your muscles. By far, the most prominent electrolyte lost through sweat is sodium, also known as salt. If you've ever had the unpleasurable experience of accidentally tasting your own sweat, you can attest that it is indeed super salty. The rate at which you sweat and total volume of fluid loss is completely individual and varies greatly depending on multiple factors. These include things like external temperature, humidity, amount of clothing, body weight, acclimatization, and exercise activity, intensity, and duration. In breaking news, the hotter and more humid an environment and the more clothes or equipment worn during exercise, the more someone will sweat. That's why American football players playing during the summer season have the highest average sweat rates of any sport. Same goes if you're from a colder climate and not acclimatized to exercising in a hotter one. Sweat rates also tend to increase with body weight, which is one reason why on average women have lower sweating rates than men and children less than adults. Also, some lucky individuals are just naturally sweatier, with higher sweat rates for no reason other than good old genetics. Thank your mom and dad for that one. Now let's talk about physical activity. People who engage in pool-based sports experience the least amount of total fluid loss because, well, sweat isn't produced or evaporated as quickly when you're surrounded by water. And those who exercise at lower intensities or for shorter durations will also have low volumes of total fluid loss. For some sports, the position, experience, and style of a player may also impact the total amount that they sweat. For example, Not all soccer or football players will spend the same amount of time on the pitch or run the same distance at the same intensity. So the more you think about it, determining how much someone sweats is pretty complicated, which makes rehydration recommendations also really difficult. Sports drinks are recommended for competitive athletes because they tend to train and compete regularly at a high intensity or for a long duration. To rehydrate and replenish these athletes, Sports drinks are specially formulated to provide water, glucose, and electrolytes in a quick and easy-to-digest format. But are they all created equal? Cutting straight to the chase like Usain Bolt, there is no significant difference between a bottle of Gatorade's Thirst Quencher compared to the same bottle of Original Powerade. In their standard size, these OG sports drinks both provide over half a liter of fluid, 34 grams of added sugar, and scientifically recommended amounts of sodium and potassium for that electrolyte replenishment. The differences between these two brands are small and fairly insignificant. Gatorade provides marginally higher amounts of sodium and potassium, while Powerade differentiates by adding two additional electrolytes, calcium and magnesium, as well as some B vitamins for fun. Now this may make Powerade seem extra fancy, but keep in mind two things here. First, there is no recommendation to consume B vitamins after exercise. And second, replenishing sodium is much more important than any other electrolyte. 
So despite these differences, both the original sports drinks are pretty nutritionally equal to one another. Now, because beverage companies cannot resist catering to a sugar-scared market, both Gatorade and Powerade also provide either a low or no sugar option. G2 from Gatorade is their lower sugar variety, providing about one-third of the added sugar compared to the original Thirst Quencher. G0 is their zero-calorie, zero-sugar option, and it's nutritionally equivalent to Powerade's zero-sugar beverage. All of these drinks achieve the same sweet taste with less or no sugar by using artificial sweeteners, mostly sucralose, which is also known as Splenda, along with another no-cal sweetener called asulfame potassium. I don't know about you, but when I think of a healthy beverage after an intense sweat session, I don't imagine artificial sweeteners in the mix. And considering what we know about exercise recovery, the no-calorie and no-sugar options make the least sense to me. Replenishing our glucose stores by consuming carbs like sugar is important to reduce fatigue and repair muscles. We shouldn't be scared of it, especially after exercise. But that's assuming you're exercising enough to require that quick hit of added sugar. If we recall the origin story of Gatorade, it was scientifically formulated to rehydrate and refuel college athletes. Because they were competing at an elite level and played an equipment-heavy sport in a hot environment, they likely had really high sweat rates, lost a significant amount of fluid, and therefore required a special drink for their recovery. I know some people may like to think of their weekly soccer game as an Olympic-worthy performance, but the reality is that many of us plebes are not performing at the same intensity as a college American football team. In fact, the American College of Sports Medicine has a general rule of thumb when it comes to choosing a rehydrating beverage post-exercise. If your exercise session lasts less than one hour, you do not need anything other than water. Your regular eating schedule after exercise is enough to replenish your glucose stores and replace any lost electrolytes. But you may be thinking, Maggie, I work out so hard. My intensity is insane. You have no idea. I sweat so much. While I do not enjoy your whiny tone, an important point is raised. As highlighted earlier, sweat rates are super individual. So even though the general recommendation is to choose water if your exercise lasts less than one hour, it's important to always listen to your body. Watch out for signs that you have lost a lot of fluids and require something like a sports drink. For example, your t-shirt is soaked in sweat within 30 minutes. There's white residue on your skin, which is actually salt accumulation. You're getting muscle cramps, have dark urine, or experience dizziness and headaches. And if you really want to get Bill Nye about it, weigh yourself immediately before and after you exercise. If you're losing more than 1% of your body weight, a sports drink is likely needed for extra rehydration. Now, despite the lack of a one-size-fits-all rule, it's important to be realistic with your evaluation. It's normal to sweat during exercise, so don't take the first bead of sweat as your sign to chug a Gatorade. The reason for this caution is that sports drinks, just like pop and juice, are sugar-sweetened beverages. Too much added sugar in our diets is linked to unhealthy weight gain and chronic diseases like obesity, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. Many health scientists recommend that we keep our added sugar consumption to less than 50 grams per day. And remember, one regular Gatorade or Powerade is almost 70% of that amount. G2 from Gatorade has much less added sugar, but it also contains artificial sweeteners, so you make the call here. Other, quote, more natural exercise recovery drinks also fall short. While coconut water has high levels of potassium, 
it doesn't have enough sodium to be useful as a sports recovery drink. And it's often formulated with a lot of added sugar. Chocolate milk is a good source of protein, which is great for muscle repair, but its added sugar quantity is also high. At the end of the day, what to drink after physical activity depends entirely on your individual hydration needs, which in turn is dependent on how much you sweat. Because there are so many factors in determining fluid loss, it's really up to you to decide if your sweatiness level and other body signs point to needing a scientifically formulated sports drink. And speaking in general terms here, if you're a regular person and you're exercising less than one hour, water should be your go-to. If it's any consolation, even Cristiano Ronaldo is on Team H2O. And if you are really concerned about improving your recreational athletic performance, focus on ensuring you are hydrated before you start exercising, and make sure to drink throughout your activity in small increments. Also, have a hydrating and carb-loaded snack afterwards, like a piece of fruit. And if you choose to opt for a bottle of Mountain Berry Blast after your run, that's okay too. Just try to reduce your added sugar intake throughout the day, and don't lose even more sweat thinking about this. That's been the bite for today. Stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Nutrition Bites. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast and share with a friend. If you want to get in touch with me, please follow me on Instagram at Nutrition Bites Podcast. Have a great week.